Welcome to Backlabel Branding with Sydney Muntianu. On this podcast, I'm interviewing some of the leading women in the food and beverage space, talking to them about how they got started, what they did to build their brands initially, how they are pivoting now in our time of a COVID pandemic, and what they're paying attention to in terms of marketing strategy, tools and tricks they use, and who they're looking to for inspiration. World Spice Merchants has been a hub of flavor exploration since 1995. And today I get to speak with Amanda Bevel. She took over the business and brand 15 years ago. An herbalist by training, Amanda literally walked into the spice business by accident. She accredits turning left instead of right one day when she was walking near Pike's Place Market, and she stepped into the Spice Bazaar, that is the World Spice Merchant Storefront. The Seattle location is actually still in operation today, so we chat a little bit about that. Anyways, within a week of walking into those doors, Amanda was working at World Spice Merchants, and within the year, she was actually signing the papers to buy it from Tony Hill, the original owner who is actually still a mentor and friend of Amanda's. In this episode, we chat about how Amanda learned to cook, which was at the spice shop actually, why black pepper will and forever be the best-selling spice at World Spice Merchants, the importance of sticking to and staying true to the core of what you do as a business. We also talk about why she decided to move the business's operations from Seattle to Montana. And as far as digital content goes, why they've really focused to build their digital content on their core set of customers. So this is a really fun episode. And uh, we talk a lot about spices, of course, but about selling products and doing so in a digital world and owning a business for 15 years. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Amanda. Thanks so much for um, taking some time to chat. I'm really excited, especially because you're in Montana now as a business, but um, I just would love to hear more about your story and how you got into the food world and a very specific niche of the spice world too. And um, kind of the arc of, of the business and how you've, took it over. I came into the food business through the medicinal herb business. Um, My first career and my first love was was always plants, plant medicine, plant research, botany, all that kind of stuff. And so, so in school, my training was organic chemistry, plants, you know, and that was my passion. And when I graduated from college, my first job was um, for a small manufacturing company in Seattle called The Herbalist, uh, run by a brilliant woman, entrepreneur, mentor, role model. Um, And she just, she had this great small manufacturing business uh, for herbal medicine. I worked for her for a lot of years um, and then started my first business kind of following in her footsteps. Um, And I call that my training wheels business. (laughs) <laughs> because it uh, uh, it was short lived. It was it was a brilliant concept, somewhat somewhat ahead of its time. It was an herbal elixir bar at a time you know before you could really buy echinacea in the grocery store. So it was a reach for most people. So after a brief transition, uh, I came back to Seattle and I literally went right instead of left on the sidewalk one day and ended up in the spice shop. So um, so I walked in the door and I was just instantly in love with it. 
because it spoke to everything that I love, small business, working with plants. And, and so, so that's how I ended up there for the first time was literally turning left instead of right on the sidewalk. And at the time I was looking for a job and, uh, the original owner, Tony Hill, he, he said, well, I would hire you on the spot, but you have to pass the approval of my crew. So I had to come in and work a Saturday shift and, uh, and loved it. And the crew loved me. And, uh, and so I was working there, you know, just pretty much right off. And, and it was at a time where Tony, the original owner, he was really looking to move on and do something else. He, he was in the year of publishing his book, uh, Complete Guide to Herbs and Spices. And he, he also kind of ended up in the spice business by accident, you know, and, uh, and, and it was at a time when he was really ready to pass the baton because he was more of a, more of an explorer and less of a shopkeeper. Um, and so after working for Tony for only six months, he was twisting my arm to buy the business, which I ultimately did. So when you did that first trial run or when you started working for the business, what were you doing? Were you running the shop or working at the shop um, or how much customers no. <laughs> in the kitchen? <laughs> Pretty much none. When I took the job with Tony, what I wanted more than anything was a job with no responsibility. And we can see how that turned out, right? <laughs> so, so I started working, started working the counter and I really learned the business from the ground up. And uh, it's interesting to note that when I came to work for Tony, and that was in 2002, uh, I wasn't really much of a cook at the time, you know? So, so the kitchen really, over the course of those first few years, became sort of my new place to do science experiments and explore. And I remember very well, um, a lot of the folks who have been uh, involved with the business over the years, I call them recovering chefs because they want to keep their hands in the food business, but the kitchen culture is not where they want to be. And so um, I've had the great privilege of working with a lot of retired chefs, semi-retired chefs. And it was in those first few years of working at the spice shop that, uh, that my pal Gina, she's like, oh, you don't know how to make soup. You know, let me, let me show you how to make soup. So I'm like, great, I'm going to learn how to make soup. So we go through the market and we gather up all these ingredients, you know, we take them back to my apartment, unpack all the bags. And, uh, and I'm like waiting for her to show me the recipe. And I'm like, where's the recipe? She's like, there's no recipe. It's soup. You know, and that was just, that was such a great uh, door opening experience into the difference between following a recipe and actually cooking, cooking as a creative process, cooking as something to, uh, something just to create. Um, and it was minestrone. It was fabulous. So we chopped up all the vegetables. She showed me her one secret trick, uh, which was putting the Parmesan rind in the pot when you boil it. And, uh, and so that was, that was one of my early experiences in the food industry. I'll never forget it. Did you make food that you served to people or is it, was it more for recipe development and developing the products? I would say initially it was learning to cook um, so that I could then interact from a more informed place with my customers. Um, so I've always just kind of been a sponge in that regard, you know, learning from other chefs, learning from cookbooks, you know, learning how to empower people to do what I ultimately did, which is just jump in there and do it, you know? And, uh, 
and at the spy shop um, in the market, you know, we get a constant stream of people who come in the door and they're smelling these spices. They're having this experience where they're just surrounded by all the flavors and it's really inspiring, but it's also intimidating. And so being able to just take the leap of, oh, let's take this really exotic spice and put it in a recipe you already know, or take this spice that you may use for savory applications and use it in dessert. And for, for me, that has been a great piece of my love of the business is just how it, it, it interacts with your daily life. I can't believe people actually get bored cooking. I just, doesn't compute because there's so much out there. Maybe people get in a rut and yeah. uh, we all have our fallback stuff. And it's again, this idea of being inspired and creative. And I mean, maybe it's not bored, but it's just other stuff usually going on in your life where you're like, Ugh. if it, you're not in the mood to cook, I know something else is, is up. <laughs> it, it's so true because, and, and actually I, I like to distinguish between project cooking which i find really fun and and maintenance cooking which is what we do just you know i'd love to know more about the product and the product development and, and how you even make spices because i feel like it's even though it's so in, like integral to the food world and like you said in our daily lives i think my, myself included how do you even make spices and sell them what is that what does the industry really look like or how do you go about product development and recipe development and how was Tony doing it or how did you um, maybe change it as you took it over? Well, I think the process has been pretty seamless. We, we create new combinations and blends pretty much every year. And the, that's usually born out of internal inspiration. What are we excited about at any given time? You know, it usually starts with an idea and we cook a lot internally before we launch a product. So, so, so it comes from our inspiration and usually there's a long laundry list and waiting list of products to be launched because there are more good ideas in any given year than, than we can actually execute. So and you keep a running list for inspiration. We do. We do. We had everything bagel spice was on the list for years before we finally just did it. Uh, last year, we launched a Rocky Mountain rub that was inspired by, you know, our expansion to Montana. And uh, so that was pretty much at the top of the list because it was very timely. Um, so and over the last couple of years, we did a bulgogi spice, we did a shawarma spice. So part of it is trend based, you know, the bulgogi and the shawarma were very much on trend when we when we launched those. Uh, how do you pay attention to spice trends or know what's on trend? Well, we uh, you can only I, I like to think that you can only subscribe to so many cooking blogs at a time. <laughs> so we try to keep it down, but it's uh, it's noticeable what things end up in your inbox consistently. Yeah. And that was true with both bulgogi and shawarma. Yeah. Okay, cool. So a lot of uh, food bloggers and <laughs> yeah. food monitoring. Um, who, when you say we're developing these spices and products, who is on your team? And uh, I'd love for you to talk about making the jump and moving the business from Seattle to Montana and 
is the team, does the team look different now since that's happened or um, what was, and certainly what was the impetus to do that move? It's really been more of an expansion than a move. Um, when I bought the business from Tony in 02, um, it was housed exclusively out of our storefront uh, adjacent to Pike Place Market. Um, and we've got only about 800 square feet there. So at the time I bought the business from Tony, um, we had two employees and 800 square feet. Um, and I'll just skip all the intervening steps and jump to now we are still a small company of 16. Um, and our Montana location is 7,000 square feet. So, so we've grown over the years. Our t of our team of 16, uh, I work still very closely with Sherry. Sherry, uh, Tony and I hired Sherry together. So she and I have been working together for 15 years. Uh, she's a retired chef. She helps just integrally with the, um, with the recipe development and the uh, spice blend development. And I would say of the remaining 16, everybody on the team loves to cook and loves to eat. So it's very much a, uh, a group effort. One of our recent additions, Jamie, uh, she's running the show in Seattle right now while I'm running the show over here. And she's also a chef. So, so lots of chefs, lots of food energy. Maybe tell me a little bit more about where your product is sold and the business side of things and are, is most of it sold online and, and going back into the team, like how much of a focus is on the recipe development and, and sort of also how you then promote and sell? Well, I would say the, the majority of our team is focused on uh, manufacturing and production. So we have about 150 pure spices that we bring in in whole form from all over the world. And, and that all lands first here in Montana. Um, and back to your earlier question, one of the reasons for our move was after our second warehouse expansion in Seattle, it became clear that we needed to double our warehouse space again. Um, and real estate and rents in, uh, in Seattle are very expensive. So it became a question of, do we want to lease space in, you know, with a 45 to 60 minute commute through Seattle Metro traffic between the store and the warehouse? Um, or do we want to make a quality of life move? Come to Montana, buy land, build a warehouse designed to do what we do. And to me, that was a no brainer. That was just the shoulders down decision um, because I have family here and, and, and being outside the city is something that I wanted for my life. So I took the opportunity to do that in 2018. It took us about two years to, from start to finish, from conception to completion. It was about a two-year process. But now we have all this great space. So, so all the product lands here first. And uh, so after we QC and bring it in, we still make all of our own spice blends. So we take those 150 spices and we make about that many spice mixtures, you know, so the toasting, the blending, the grinding, all that creativity happens here in Montana. And at this point, since COVID, you know, the landscape has shifted significantly. For, for a lot of years, it was pretty equal between our online business and the retail store in Seattle. So those were pretty evenly balanced with our commercial business. We sell to restaurants, to chefs, to educational institutions. 
you know, that's been historically 25 to 30% of the business and the remainder balance between uh, the online sales and the retail store. So, and back to the product development team, you know, that's, that's really three or four of us. I mean, everybody, everybody likes to chime in, you know, and we do big recipe tests where, you know, we'll test six or eight recipes and then have a big family meal and, you know, everybody's chopping and chipping in. So. I definitely want to ask about this year and COVID and how that's changed and impacted your business. I've been finding it to be a really just interesting conversation to have with everyone I've been talking to in that it's more than just, oh, it's been challenging and, and I want to know how it has impacted your business. Is it, Has there anything that's sort of been a change that you're going to carry out moving forward? And then also from business and operations, marketing, and, and how you're communicating with your customers, what has been challenging and how has that changed? The biggest challenge has been the uncertainty. You know, the, the spice business historically for us has been very stable, very stable, very joyful, just very, just very rock solid. Um, so, so to wake up one morning, have to close the retail store, and watch that retail number on your P&L drop to zero overnight. It was, it was terrifying. Um, but we did a really quick bounce back. And, uh, and there have been some really positive changes that we've made that we intend to keep. Uh, the primary one has been limiting our store hours. Historically, we've been open from 10 to 6, seven days a week. That store was just clicking, clicking, clicking all the time. And uh, after our initial closure, which was from March to June, when we, when we started reopening, we have been open for a shorter number of hours per day and we get a weekend. We decided to just <laughs> stay closed on, on Monday, Tuesday. So, so, so we, we basically shifted the work so that Monday and Tuesday at the retail store in Seattle, is is just quiet time you know so that's production time uh so we've we've dialed back the hectic a little bit um and we we've been fortunate we you know tony had a website when i bought the business in 02 but over the 15 years the 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 online presence has been the great business and uh and so we have had those in-house tools always available to us we were already set up for in-store pickup so really helping customers learn how to use the website to still pick up in the store if they want to has been another really great change. So, so rather than filling bulk orders in real time as customers wait, we're having people place their orders online. We're filling all their custom orders exactly like they like them, which is, which is one of our favorite things and one of our kind of shining moments as a business is that we do that. So people can still have that. And then we've switched the store operation to all prepacks. So people still get the custom service that they're accustomed to, but it takes a little bit of the immediate pressure off the staff, off of operations to have the equal share, you know, done as pickup online. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, um, there's little nuances that a lot of people are finding in for the better that they've been able to change. It's almost like you get an excuse to, <laughs> just do it differently and then figure yeah. out, Oh, maybe we, maybe actually we want to adopt this. Yeah. 
So who is your, if you would call it your target customer, what would you say that person looks like? And, and maybe it is different in the retail store versus online, um, certainly because they're visiting in person, but I'm wondering if it is. And then a big part of our customer base is people who, like myself back in 2002, they, they have a strong interest, but they just, they need support in learning how to use these unusual spices, you know? So, so I would say our, a, a core demographic is people who want to learn, you know, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're interested, but they're looking for inspiration and, and expertise on how to, how to take that next step. Um, and then we also have a lot of customers who are, um, who are just spice geeks, you know, there, there, there's a wide, uh, swath of the population out there who's just really into spices. And so, so having something new, having something fresh, being able to find the exotics. Um, so I would say we span, we span that whole, whole gamut. And, uh, in terms of how we communicate with them, our, our, our direct line is our newsletter, the, the email marketing. Um, we've come on a little stronger this year in our, in our social presence as a bigger part of our team is now younger and more easily able to just jump in and navigate those waters. But, but the mainstay for us has been, has been our newsletter, direct, direct email. When you had become a part of the business in 02, there was a website. Was there, from the get-go, um, email as part of the strategy? No, that really came on. We started our blog in, I think, 07. Uh, so initially it was just web sales. And I mean, it looked very different in 2002. Um, when I first bought the business from Tony, the first thing I did was redo the website. Um, so I went from the, the Outlook website to our first website and we got a really positive response to that. Um, but I would say our email marketing and our blog didn't really start till 07. Got it. Was there anything else that you did to change or either you were like deliberately didn't wanna change for the brand when you took it over? I think you have a unique perspective and story and that a lot of people I talk to are the the founders and we talk yeah. about how did you come up with the name and the branding and what inspired it and so I'm wondering mm -hmm. if if it's evolved since it's been under your home or if you um, like you said you changed the website what else has been what's what does this brand mean to you and um, what were things that you may have changed from the beginning you know I pretty much considered it perfect when I bought it and I've changed very, very little. And uh, of all the business mentors in my life, I've learned a little something. And, and a lot of Tony's nuggets and words of wisdom to me from the very beginning have, have remained true. Uh, one of the first ones was, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. We do spices. It's what we do. And so, so we've really stayed true to that, you know, and not... Uh, branched off in very many different directions. And, and to me, it was always important to stay small. I really like being a small business. 
And so in terms of where you can get our product, there's really only two places and it's our website and our retail store. So it's never been a big motivation to either franchise or wholesale. As potentially uninteresting as it may be, we've changed very little. Um, but the fun has been in doing the new flavors every year, the new flavors every year. And, and we have started most recently to do a lot more collaborations and that has been really fun. Awesome. What are some examples of those? Well, we just uh, connected with another small business called If and When, and they make a preserved Meyer lemon paste. And so they came to us to help formulate and provide spices for their product a few years ago. And so now not only are we providing spices to them, we're also selling their product, making creative combinations with their product and our product. Um, so relationships like those, it's just been really fun to be a part of a group of artisans, you know, who all care so much about the quality of what they're doing that yes, they're willing to snip up the vanilla beans with scissors into little tiny pieces and, <laughs> and things like that. How have you been finding those collaborations or are you seeking any of them out or have they been people that are coming to you and opportunities that came up? A lot of times they come to us, you know, having been around as long as we have, um, you know, it puts us out there to be found. Um, yeah. Yeah. And word of mouth. I mean, people, you know, the, the food community, uh, it, it's very interwoven. If and when found us because one of the chefs at one of the restaurants that we provide spices to in Seattle that moved to California and met Nick, who does the lemons for if and when. So, so, so much word of mouth. It sounds like that's a big part of your overall marketing strategy in general is word of mouth. Um, you obviously are creating content, but um, by way of just focusing on what you're doing and specializing in it, that, that's yeah. my perspective at least. Yeah. You're a spice company and that's what you focus on. And that is um, something you've stayed true to. Have there been any product extensions or maybe it was, maybe it was spice blend um, but things that didn't work that were a flop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was the disastrous curry for Christmas initiative. It felt so <laughs> Oh, <laughs> sounds like it would be cool. I love curry. <laughs> curry is amazing, but you know, sometimes we go a little far out into our own meadow and it just doesn't translate. So what, what was that? And why did it well, fail? It was a, <laughs> you know, being in the same industry for a long time, you know, Christmas comes around every year. It's a big cooking holiday. And so we always try to put a fresh face on it. And, uh, and one year we decided that promoting, cause, because we have 15 different regional curries. So, you know, people don't often realize that curry is not just one thing. It's actually, it varies regionally. And so, so we did a big promotion, uh, trying to get people to latch on to curry for Christmas, but they weren't biting. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Bummer. But uh, <laughs> if I may, one of the things that I'm really excited about right now yeah. um, is we're, we're starting to do DIY kits. Cool. Because we realize that, you know, 
yes, we can, we can help people and explain these things and make suggestions and whatnot, but we want to empower people even further to take, take the product and a few, of the, the, a few of the ingredients that you may have to go out of your way to get and bundle those all up, you know, similar to a meal kit. It's kind of like a spice kit or a DIY kit. And we just launched our uh, ramen seasoning kit and our make your own amaretto kit for the holidays. And people are loving it. That sounds so, so fun. Wow. Super fun. And it's, you know, the, the other positive um, from 2020 has been just the number of people cooking at home, you know, myself included, you know, more than ever. And, and having the time for those fun little projects, like who doesn't want to make their own amaretto, right? Yeah. Or ramen. <laughs> or ramen. Yeah. So um, did that idea mostly come from, you said you want to empower people, but was, was there any maybe customer feedback or requests for those types of things? You know, um, we always get a lot of cooking questions, but, but uh, both of those actually came internally from our production team. Uh, when it started getting close to time for the holidays, I'm like, okay, kid ideas, lay it on me. And uh, so. What are some other bestsellers? And then when you do launch your new, new blends each year, do you do anything special to promote those new products? You know, we, we always do a lot of recipes to support new products and just our general social and, and newsletter, social and newsletter launching. Um, of the products. And, and I've always found it interesting, and this has provided good insight into our customer base for me. Fajita taco spice has been our number one spice blend forever. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and I was, uh, I was involved in a marketing conversation recently and looking for new insights into the brand. And I'm like, guys, I can't believe it. Fajita taco spice is always our bestseller. I don't understand it. And they're like, well, it's obvious. That's what people know how to use. You know, so it was like light bulb. Um, so continuing to, to, to just stay on it with the empowerment because people are going to get what they know. Um, so we have to help them, you know, access these other flavors by, uh, by showing how they're as easy to use as fajita taco spice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's the one that you are used to seeing even at your grocery store. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, just grab that and throw it in. Exactly. Uh, and people often ask, oh, what's your best selling spice? And they're like eager, eagerly awaiting this exciting answer. I'm like, black pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food and recipes, I have been stalking your social media and your recipes that um, you guys have been sharing for quite a, you know, quite a while now. And they look so good. Has, um, have you, has recipe sharing, particularly when it comes, I suppose, to social media, as you said, it's, it's become a, at least a little bit more prolific for your marketing strategy, but has that always been the case? How do you decide to, one, who, is it all internal recipes that you share, or do you work with others to collaborate um, and promote, and sort of what's the process for creating recipes for marketing for education? Well, for the last couple of years, it's been geared um, primarily around Spice Club. We launched a Spice Club initiative, I think it was about two years ago, 
Um, and, and with membership, we ship a box of four spices four times a year. So you get a seasonal spice box and then our recipe content has been geared to support the spices that are in Spice Club. Um, so that's been a cornerstone lately. Um, all of that is, uh, it's all internal. Do you see other people, maybe it's the Spice Club members or other um, customers sharing their food and photos and what they're, how they're using it? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit, especially on our Instagram. We get a lot of feedback and a lot of sharing, you know, people, people sharing back what they've made uh, with our spices. And we're, we've been working hard all year on launching a new website, which is going to be hopefully coming out in January. We all know how these web development tasks can go. Um, but yeah, and, and that'll include more space for people to, to share their content. What was the focus for the website redo? Was it just because it needed it? Or is it more for the fact that you're seeing people shop online or you're doing more e-commerce? You know, it's more for just keeping up with the tech. You know, the, the website that we're running right now, we launched in, I think, 08. And that website, had, it really had some legs. It's got a good internal engine. And, uh, and so our production and fulfillment is also tied to our website. And being a bulk purveyor, you know, it puts us a little bit outside the realm of things like Shopify and whatnot. So, so we've always had our internal engine that, that runs everything from producing the spice blends all the way to making the gift sets to doing the sales to doing the shipping it's all tied together um so that's all kind of behind the scenes but since 0708 you know the the visual expansiveness and dynamic nature of screen sizing and all that kind of stuff we just we want our pictures to be bigger <laughs> mm -hmm. fair enough especially with food you said about 25 to 30% of your business is for restaurants and educational places. Was that channel always part of the business or did one day a restaurant relationship happen or ask you if they could have your spices? No, no, it's always been a part of our, part of our business model. Um, and it's been really great because all three, all three revenue streams really support each other. Well, um, the, the restaurant business, they they tend to order in higher volumes you know so that's part of the reason for the need for all this square footage um and uh and the the mail order the we still call it mail order that tells you how long we've been around um the internet sales ha have grown the most you know our our core group of restaurant clients uh has remained percentage-wise about the same that's actually been one of the saddest things about the, the COVID year is the number of restaurants that we've seen close. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, small manufacturers, restaurants, culinary schools, um, they've always run about 25, 30% of our, of our business. Spices to me, uh, like there's such a connotation with travel and places of origin where the, where the spices come from. Where do you get your 150 spices? Do and in normal years, I'm assuming. Where do you travel? Um, where where does the product come from for the most part? Yeah. Well, I don't travel as much as I'd like, and certainly not as much as I used to. Um, but I'm I'm happy to say that a lot of our relationships 
are from farmers, growers, and importers that Tony introduced me to. So some things like our saffron, our vanilla, some of those really small niche spices come from individual farms. Um, some of them are larger compiled crops like the pepper. You know, pe pepper is basically a global commodity at this point. Um, so a lot of the larger ones co come from larger importers. Um, and interestingly, not a lot of local. You know, there are not a lot of domestically grown spices. We do get our onion and garlic all from California. Um, and a few small crops from Washington and uh, Oregon. Oregon grows great peppermint. Since you have really, not only just with World Spice Merchant, but you've probably seen the industry sort of change and grow overall. From your perspective, what's been the most interesting part about being in the food and food product world um or things that you've been happy that have changed or, or maybe there's like been a trend that you've noticed and have thought is either good or bad the thing that i find fascinating and one of the most rewarding things is just the the, the universal nature of food you know the, the the connecting of all the people in all the different facets whether it's the small producers or the restaurants you know, everybody comes together around the table three times a day, you know, or in some form. Um, so, so it's a really, it's a really kind industry from my perspective. People really come together around food. I like to ask this question to everyone because I feel like it just gives different perspectives. But what are you into right now? Um, what brands do you follow or find inspiring? It doesn't necessarily have to be in the food world, but I imagine you pay attention to a lot of people. Um, but who do you look at or follow? Um, who are you watching? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I should have been more prepared for this one. Um, you know, I... I follow one of my core food blogs is the New York Times mm -hmm. every week, you know, and uh, whether it's five weeknight dishes or what to cook this week, it's just, it's always been a cornerstone for me. And, uh, and it was interesting to me that several of the recipes that I latched onto as we've been coming up uh, towards Thanksgiving are all by this same gal. I must just really love her recipes. Her name's Genevieve Ko. I first became aware of her when she posted a recipe for a Pop-Tart slab pie. Sounds yummy. <laughs> My husband loves Pop-Tarts, and so I made the Pop-Tart slab pie, and so I always remembered her name because it was from that recipe. And yeah, she just keeps, keeps popping up. So love me some Genevieve Ko. And our connection with If and When, Carla DeLuca, the, uh, one of the founders, co-founder of If and When, the Meyer Lemon Paste, uh, that's just been a solid source of inspiration and motivation, you know, watching them start and grow, you know, it's like we've been with them since the beginning and, uh, and they're a great company. That's awesome. Are they in Seattle? No, they're in, uh, I think they, they just moved their U.S. base um, to New Orleans. They were previously in California. The fires came really close. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Either personally or, or from a business perspective, December, the holidays is a time of 
a lot of cooking and shopping and retail, but even into next year, is there anything you're working on? Oh my gosh, yes. We did 24 or more amazing cooking videos. And so taking the leap to video is going to be new for us in 2021. So that is going to be super exciting, super exciting to roll that out. And, uh, and for us, interestingly, I mean, for me, it's already January. I'm already thinking about Chinese New Year because we, we, you know, we, we're always leapfrogging ahead. For me, Christmas was in June. Now I'm in January. Uh, so I never know what month it is, except that it is snowing out. Um, so yeah, we're super excited about, uh, about rolling out that video content for 2021 and doing a lot more kits, uh, figuring out how to, how to learn more from our community about what they're looking for. Uh, we want to make mustard kits and so where can people watch these upcoming videos and find your spices and learn more about you? Well, the, um, the spices are all available at worldspice.com. Uh, the videos are going to be on our YouTube channel and we probably won't post the videos until January. Um, because like I said, we're right in the middle of our, you know, running a fun sale every week to get everybody their gift sets. So, so, so it's all, all hands on shipping between now and, uh, between now and Christmas. And then we'll take a break and, uh, and start rolling that stuff out in January. Oh, fine. Thanks so much, Amanda. I really enjoyed this and excited to watch the new spices and blends that come out next year and um, continuing now that I've discovered you to find your recipes for inspiration. So it was really fun. What a cool brand to have been around this long and transferred ownership into Amanda and just really to have remained core in what they do and what they offer, but also just the brand experience they offer. So that was a really, that was a theme throughout our conversation that I kept coming back to is just the simplicity in really staying true to who you are and what you do and what you're good at. As Amanda put it, you know, one of her best pieces of advice is jack of all trades, master of none, and that we do spices. And that's really something that she's like, I haven't really had to change that. And, but in many ways, they have changed and innovated over the years, running a business for 15 years and staying creative year after year with different spice blends and how to keep the creativity going and how to keep empowering people to cook, which I think is her main mission. It sounds it and that's no easy feat. So to keep the creativity alive and to cultivate an atmosphere and a brand that inspires in that way with something that is simple as a business of of selling, you could call it one product at the end of the day, but really of course <laughs> she sells over 150 different spices which then they turn into 150 different blends so I really loved that point of it and then also coming back to the fact that there's simplicity too in focusing on your marketing channels and your distribution channels and as she says you really only get the spices directly through them or they have a retail shop in Seattle and as well as their marketing you know a big place that they 
communicate and talk to their customers is through direct email. And of course they're doing other things and creating more content digitally. But that was, I think, inspiring in a way that we so often feel overwhelmed in having to create and be bigger and grow and we show up on new platforms and to hear from someone who's been running a business for a long time and seen it change and evolve and has had to adapt, of course, to have an updated website and be more digital, but still at the core, just sort of go with their own pace and stay true to the core of their brand. If you're listening on iTunes, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes you've listened to on Backlabel Branding, share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers. If there's one person you can think of that would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes, guests you'd love for me to chat with, questions you'd like me to ask, or just questions for me personally about anything branding and marketing, you can always email me at sydney at backlabelbranding.com or you can also find me on social media at backlabelbranding. Feel free to follow me or DM me over there.